Praise God. Clap your hands to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. What a, what a great anointing of the Lord is in this place. When you begin to worship the Lord this morning and the glory of the Lord came down, there was just something that swept over me and through me because I think that Pentecostal churches are losing that, that personal feeling and touch. I commended your singers this morning and musicians because that's what they're here for. They're not a performing group. They're a worshiping group. And when they lead us into one worship after another, uh, it, it just behooves me to tell you that uh, something special that God's got in store and has already poured out as he did this morning. Tonight, I want to just go into what I feel like the Lord gave me. And I want to thank your pastor. He is one of the kindest men that I believe I've ever been around. Just amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, the kindness that he has showed upon us. And we have been friends a long time. <laughs> when I was here before, I told you that we were partners in crime. I'll have to tell you that story again one day when, when it's uh, time to tell it. But uh, he helped me out of a bind, big bind. Amen. Open your Bible tonight to the book of St. John chapter number 13. Amen. St. John chapter 13. And let me begin reading at verse number 8. St. John chapter 13 and verse 8. Peter said unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Just like that. Simon Peter Gets his attitude right. The very next verse. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. In Jesus' name. Everybody say, in Jesus' name. You can be seated. The Lord bless you. One of the most sacred moments was when the Lord instituted what we call the Lord's Supper. It was actually celebrating the Passover in the Old Testament. But something new that had never been done before. And Jesus was taking a towel, wrapped it around him, and went from disciple to disciple. And the Bible says he washed their feet. It was a show of humility. It was Back in that day when the the servants would wash their master's feet. Not because they were dirty, but because after coming in off the street, they all had sandals. They would meet them at the door, 
and uh, they would wash their feet. Remember the woman that washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dried his feet with the hair of her head. Now Jesus was displaying exactly that type of humility except he was the master. They should have been washing his feet. And when Jesus got to Simon Peter, you know him. If you've studied a little bit about Simon Peter, you know that uh, he was just uh, just one of those guys that could say almost anything. And, and then just like that, he could change. You know, you've known people like that, hadn't you? When just in, a, in an instant, they can go from being super carnal to super spiritual. We know people like that. And uh, just just like that. But it was Simon Peter that looked at the Lord and suddenly it dawned on him. That, Wait a minute. You got this backwards. I'm supposed to be washing your feet, Lord, and you're washing mine. And it was one of those moments when Simon thought he had it right. But Jesus looked at him and he said, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. Strong statement. If I don't wash your feet, Simon, then we have no part with each other. And you know, instantly, immediately, there was an attitude change in his life. And it changed so quickly and so suddenly that Simon Peter said, Well, Lord, if, if that's the way you feel about it, I don't want to stop with just washing my feet. I want you to wash my hands. I want you to wash my head. I, I just want to be right with you. What an amazing thing that suddenly he was so far away that he got in line so quick. Did you know in the last days that the Lord's going to do a quick work? Do you understand that in the last days that weak churches are going to get weaker and strong churches like this one are going to get stronger? Do you understand that in in the last time, in the last days, that that God's going to pick out areas of the country and uh, He's going to pick out certain people in certain churches and He's going to pour out of His Spirit upon them. I feel like that this church in this city and this area have been chosen of God. But we have to be very careful about that because we can have the wrong attitude about the right thing. Because Simon Peter was that same guy even after Jesus washed his feet and after he said, my head, my hands, just get me right with you. It was that same Simon Peter that picked up the sword and cut off the servants' ear when they come to the Lord. You know, if you live by the sword, you'll die by the sword. It was that same Simon that said to the Lord, Lord, I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And Jesus, knowing the heart and the intent of Simon, he said, Simon, before the cock crows three times, you will deny me thrice. That's the guy I'm talking about. That's the person I'm talking about. But yet through all of that, God was not looking for a perfect man. 
God was looking at a man that was imperfect, but had the ability in an instant to get right with God. Boy, I want to tell you, I feel like sometimes we have wasted so much time. Remember, we used to give 30-minute altar calls. You probably don't remember that, do you? We used to give long altar calls. I was sitting in one of those altar calls, and and the, the preacher of the van just kept saying, there's a young man here tonight. He's got to get his heart right with God. He's a long way from the Lord. You know, it didn't take much when you got 50 people in church to realize that was me. I was the only young man in the house and the old sinner. And not only that, I had a mother that kept turning around and looking at me. There, there just was no way out. It, it was me. And uh, through all of that, I, I still found that I walked out so many times. But guess what? You can't come to God unless the Spirit draw you. There's no way you can get your heart right with God. No matter how much I stand up here and plead with you tonight. But I want to tell you, when you get ready, nothing can stop you. When you get ready to come to God, there's not a storm, there's not an ache, there's not a pain, and there's not a devil big enough in heaven to stop you from coming to God. Woo! I God. The night I got the Holy Ghost, I walked in, sat on the back row as usual. We had an old gentleman that was preaching for us. Oh, he, he was an old guy. About my age. <laughs> a little bit older. <laughs> and and he would always come in and and he would do his hands just like this and say, oh, bah, 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 God's in this place. You know, I knew his act as well as anything, but oh, I went there to fight, but oh my, that night, something got a hold of me. And on the back row, I, I picked up somebody's Bible. I don't know who it was. I just picked up somebody's Bible and I said, God, if the Holy Ghost from me, show it to me. And I just let the Bible fall open and it fell straight to Acts 2.38. Let me tell you something. That guy never finished an altar call. I just got up from where I was sitting and walked down. Uh, I know I've been to the altar a hundred times before. Uh, but something that night, it wasn't what anybody said. It was what God was doing to me. I want to tell you, he's an individual God. Oh. My God. My God. And when God knew that Simon Peter was right, it was because there was that attitude that was getting right with God. You know, sometimes our attitude just displays the spirit uh, that is within us. It's an inward feeling of an outward expression and behavior. Because... In squeeze inside of you is a soul and a spirit and a body. And somewhere down inside there, there's that conscience. And that conscience 
can lead us in the right direction or if it can be seared with a hot iron, it will deceive you into going the wrong direction. So you know what? When we have that right attitude with God, all of a sudden it's contagious. It just starts spreading from one person to the next person. And, and, and you know what? It's, it's kind of like our praise and worship. When one stands, all of a sudden, uh, two or three more will start standing. And, and it might just start sweeping across the congregation. Uh, and we see somebody that we know that is struggling with probably very different things in their life. But the attitude within them says, I'm going to beat this. Um, I'm going to overcome this. I'm going to defeat this. Um, and it may take everything that you got. But when you have that attitude, not only my feet but my head and my hands and my body and my spirit and everything that is within me. Suddenly, amen, what did the psalmist say? I will rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because the attitude of worship and praise reaches across the aisle and touches somebody else. And all of a sudden, somebody says, if they can do it, I can do it. See what I'm talking about? See what I'm talking about? Uh, All of a sudden, somebody starts praising. And somebody starts worshiping. And the contagious spirit of worship grips our spirit and our soul. Woo, come on and praise Him a little more. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God. Your attitude toward God determines your approach to life. You can have an attitude that says it's not anything ever good going to happen to me. Or you can have the attitude that says it rains on the just and it rains on the unjust. The difference between us is God in me. The superpower, the Holy Ghost, the overcomer, the anointing of God uh, all of a sudden says, you know what? Uh, Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. And suddenly God gives us uh, that super attitude of victory. Well, I want to claim the victory tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. It was that, that attitude that Samuel in first Samuel 16 was going to look for a king over Israel. And you know the story. He went to find one and he went through all of the sons of Jesse and there was not one there. He said, do you have another son anywhere? That's my youngest one. He's out there in the field and He's tending to the sheep. But go get him. Go get him. I, I, I love this passage of scripture. And he said, we will not sit down until he gets here. <laughs> My God, I'm going to tell this church something. We will not give up uh, until your husband, your wife, your children get the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we will not sit 
We will not sit down. We will not give up. My God, I feel it right now. The anointing. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Said we're not going to sit down until he gets here. That brother, when he gets here, he, this is what he said. You can be seated. I don't know. You're not, you're into this with me. I know you are, but I got to get this point. When he got there, it wasn't the looks that God was looking at. The rest of them had whatever that you would be looking for outwardly for a king. David had been in the field. He didn't have time to clean up, comb his hair, put on clean clothes. He just walked in. He didn't know what the world was going on. But you know what? This is what the Bible says. Man, look at on the outward appearance. But God... Looks on the heart. That's the attitude. That's the attitude. I'm going to tell you, you had a gorgeous, beautiful building that's just right there. Now we're in a gym. But you know what? It proves to this church that we're not looking on the outward. We're not bragging and boasting about what God gave us. Because the Lord giveth and Harvey takes away. But look at us now. Small platform. Got a concrete floor under this carpet. Pews are gone. The chairs are here. It's not the great chandeliers that was hanging in the other church. It's it's not the uh, tremendous sound system that I preached on a few years ago, but I want to tell you something. There's more of God here tonight than there's ever been. Because we're looking on the outward part. We're looking on the outward part. But God is saying, my God, God is saying, I'm not looking at what you have. I'm looking at what I can do for you. Well, I'm getting ready to tell you something. You may be seated. I think God is sick and tired of performance. I think God is sick and tired of mood lights. You better come in here with the right mood and the right attitude. I think God is sick and tired when we reach around the world to get the very best talent and say, look what we've got. I think God gets blessed when a church can dig somebody out of the gutter. I think God gets blessed when God can convert an alcoholic. I think God gets blessed when young men and young women can. This is what we got. This is what we got. I think God gets more joy out of somebody that doesn't have the talent, but they have the right spirit. I think God gets more joy out of somebody that's standing up here saying, look where I come from, rather than us looking and saying, oh my.
what talent you have. I'm not going to trade what you got for nothing. I'm not going to trade what God's blessed you with uh, for all the talent in Pentecost. Uh, I'm not going to trade what God has blessed you with uh, and what this pastor has put into your heart uh, for any kind of talent that you can imagine. Uh, Because God is looking at the heart. (laughs) What kind of attitude did David have? I was in the field and a bear came and I took care of him and slew him. And a lion came and he took his bare hands and he pulled his jaws open and broke his neck. I never wrestled a lion and I've never wrestled a bear. But I will tell you something. I don't think he'd do that by himself. I think David had the attitude. When you come against me, you have no idea what kind of power and presence can... I feel like I'm preaching to somebody here tonight. Devil... You picked on the wrong church. Devil, you picked on the wrong young people. Devil, you preached on the wrong saint of God. Because when I come at you. Hallelujah. The right attitude will get you there. Where you need to be with God. And God was preparing him with a lion and a bear. Because Goliath was coming. And when Goliath came, he said, I want to tell you something. You come at me with a sword and a spear. But I'm coming to you in the name of the Lord. And I want to tell somebody in this building tonight, sitting under the sound of my voice, uh, you're not through yet. I know you're going through a hard time, but God sent me here to tell you, get your attitude right, and God's going to fight your battle for you. God sent me here to tell you tonight, when you get your attitude right with God, God's going to rain down. The blessings of God is going to fall on you. Hallelujah. 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 My God. Sometimes we, we, we forget that God's really on our side. People have the attitude and, you know, sometimes at least a little thing and comes against us and, and, you know, we make a big deal out of it. My mother used to tell me, you don't make a mountain out of a molehill. But sometimes our attitude looks at things and it's kind of the woe is me syndrome. And we make it bigger than it is. And the more you praise the devil, the bigger that thing gets. And the more you complain about it, 
it grows and it grows and it grows. But suddenly when you can realize that it, it, you've, the Holy Ghost in you is made to overcome. It's designed to overcome. I'm not an airplane pilot, but I, I've flown a few small planes and or was a passenger. And I never will forget what one man told me one time. He said, we was kind of in that turbulence, you know, and it was just a four-seater. I was holding on for dear life. And he said, are you afraid? I said, I am. He said, well, here, you take over while I take a nap. I said, not on your life. But so help me. He laid his head back and closed his eyes. I know he wasn't asleep. But he said, this plane can fly itself. It was designed by the engineers that it can fly. And the turbulence that you're feeling, all of a sudden this plane starts saying, I can do this. I can do this. And we get that same attitude sometimes when when we have to realize that the Holy Ghost inside of us is made and designed to conquer. And that's why he said, you're more than conquerors. So you know what? That's why we're survivors here tonight. I don't have to ask you about storms. You've been through more storms, and I have too. We went through 86 families in our church flooded. 86 families. It was, it was just horrible. Our pastor stood up right after that last year and took up an offering, a mission offering. And I was sitting over there saying, hmm, you're kind of new on the block, Brother Tuttle. You got 86 families. Some of them are homeless. Some of them have to live with their mother-in-law and father-in-law. You know they're in a bad mood. You know they're not, they not happy. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Three foot of water in my house. Amen. And all of that. But, but you know what? He knew more than I did. And he said, I know you're hurting and I know you're suffering and I, I know that we've been through it and I know that probably logic is going to tell us not to do that. He said, I'm not putting any pressure on you. I'm just giving you an opportunity to give. The largest mission offering in the history of Eastgate Church. Almost $400,000 in Jesus' name. And you know what? When people started giving that, I say, David and Anthony here, they know I'm telling you the truth. Amen. When they started giving, God started putting their house back together. God started putting things in. God started making a way where there seemeth to be no way. I could name you several families that said, I'm going to give, but I don't know how God's going to do it. Don't you worry about that, honey. He owns a cattle of a thousand hills. I said, don't you worry about that. Amen. You just go ahead and give it. And the Lord said, what did he say? I'll give it back to you. Press down and running over. Hallelujah. 
I got to get through. Amen. One of the greatest things when Jesus was teaching his disciples about communion, which is my blood and my body. This do in remembrance of me. Isn't it amazing that the greatest man that ever lived had a fear of being forgotten? And he said, when you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And that's what he called his disciples. When you break bread, when you drink the juice, you're doing it as a symbolic measure of eating my flesh and drinking my blood. And Jesus looked at those 12 guys. And he said, one of you will betray me. Brother, if you have your scripture reading, I want to read it to you. He said, one of you will betray me. And read for me. And they were exceeding sorrowful. Stop. He's talking about disciples. And they were exceeding sorrowful. And what? And began every one of them to say unto him, Lord, is it I? Stop. They looked around. What are you going to betray me, Jesus said. And they looked around and they said, Lord, is, is, it, is, it, is it me? Am I going to be the one? Am I, am I the one that you're, you're talking about? Is it me? Read. Then Judas, which Judas, him. listen, Judas, when Jesus gave him the sop, listen to what he said. He had it in his hand. And Jesus looked at him and Judas answered and said, Master, is it I? Is it I? You would think nothing to that. I want to show you something. St. John 13, brother. He then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Stop. <laughs> John the beloved. John that Jesus loved and John loved Jesus. Everybody else was saying, is it I? Lord, am I the one that's going to betray you? But John said, I know I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Who is it? I think I'm preaching in a church here tonight. You know you're not going the way the world, but you can say, who is it? You know you're not going to backslide, but you can say, who is it? You know that you're not going to give up on God. You're not going to turn your back on God. You're not going to walk out on God. So you know what? I'm preaching in a church tonight that loves God so much that we have so much confidence. We have so much confidence in what God has given to me. We can look around and why everybody else is saying, is it I? We're saying, Lord, it's not going to be me. I will tell you that. Who do you think it is, Lord? And you know what? Jesus didn't look at John and say, well, it might be you. You know why? Because perfect love 
cast out all fear. I feel like somebody here tonight needs for me to tell you that you need such an attitude adjustment in your life that you can quit saying, Lord, is it I? Quit looking around every corner and said, I don't believe I'm going to make it. Quit coming to church every Sunday and say, wow, I made it one more week. Maybe I can just make it another one. You need an attitude adjustment that needs to look at every obstacle in the face and say, who's going to do that? Because I'm looking behind me and I can see what God brought me through. And I'm looking ahead of me to tell you that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. My God, do we have any Johns here tonight? Do we have any Johns? Would you stand with me? Do we have any people in this building tonight that says, wait. I've been through the fire and the fire couldn't burn me. I've been through the storm, and the storm couldn't turn me around. I've been through drought, and I've been through flood, and I've been through disaster. I've been broke, and I've been blessed. I've been down, and I've been up. But I'm here to tell you, it's not me that's going to turn my back on God. tell you what the Holy Ghost told me there's two people here tonight there's a couple in this church and this is what the Lord told me to tell you I want you to look back over what God's done for you and when you start counting your blessings I want to tell you it's going to mean a whole lot more now than it ever had before. And while we was reading the blessing over the offering, God whispered in my ear. And you were saying, it hasn't happened to me. It hasn't happened to me. You were saying... Where is that? Where is that outpouring that we've been reading about and preaching about and singing about? Where is that blessing when you can see everybody else getting and you're saying, I don't feel it. I'm going to tell you something. You're not backslid. Your attitude is just not where it needs to be with God. But if you could say with God tonight, Lord... My head, my thinking, my hands, my doing, my feet, my walking, my heart, everything that is within me needs for you to wash me and cleanse me and make me right and make me whole. And when you do that, you know what? Um, God's going to open up the floodgates. 
and pour you out a blessing that you're not going to be able to receive. Why don't you step out right now wherever you are and throw both of your hands up in the air. That's it and say, oh God, I'm going to be here to the duration. I'm going to be here to the end. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm not going out. Oh Lord, you have.